Today is Wednesday, January 22nd. Welcome to Dying a Lesson in Living. My name is Micah Truman, and I'm the host for the show. In this podcast, we interview people who've been told they're going to die and ask them a simple question. What matters most in life? This is an interview with Carrie Ann Pinkerman. Seven months ago, she was diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. For those of you not familiar with ALS, it is one of the meanest diseases out there. It's, it's always fatal, and it usually renders its victims completely immobile in less than a year. One of my favorite parts of the interview was with Carrie Ann's son, who talked to me right after I interviewed Carrie Ann, his mom. I'm sorry I didn't record it because he was an amazing guy. He, he asked me a simple question. How can we deal with great loss without faith in God? I think he got the sense that I was not a Christian, and he's right, by the way, and wanted to understand how I would face great hardship without faith. At one point in our conversation, someone told him he was being really rude to talk to me so bluntly. I, I, I didn't think he was rude at all. He was sitting next to his dying mom, and it's probably clearer on what faith means than I will ever be. Carrie is amazingly forthright about her thoughts and her fears, and it was really a privilege to talk to her. Here she is. We are here with Carrie Ann Pinkerman. Um, we're delighted to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Okay. And as we were saying, can you give a little background on your family? Yeah. On what, what's going? Yeah. Give us a little, a little on on your on your life. Sure. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a big family. Uh, there's seven children, and of course, my parents, and they're all alive. I'm the fifth out of the seven children. I have two older brothers, two older sisters, and two younger sisters. I've been a nurse for 28 years. Um, You've been a nurse for 28 years? Yes, yes. So you're a health professional. I am a health professional, and I have taken care of people with ALS. Um, Not multiple times, because I believe many people with ALS die at home, and I am uh, and I took care of them at a nursing home, you know. Can we pause? Can we pause? Carrie Ann stopped the interview because her guests kept stopping by to wish her well. I'm not sure if you can hear it, but her house was chock full of people, and everyone wanted to know what they could do to be of help. Let's jump forward a bit where Carrie Ann talks about her life and work. So Carrie Ann, can you tell us a little about yourself, what you used to do, your, you know, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, yes. I'm proud of my career. I graduated from Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska in 1992 with my Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And I worked in a lot of venues, anywhere from OBGYN, which is labor and delivery, to long-term care, to hospice, to home health, um, behavioral health, I kind of did it all. My focus was more on geriatrics throughout. In 2013, um, <clears throat> I decided to go back to school. And April 27, I graduated, of this year, I graduated with my Master of Science in Nursing with a focus on 
nursing education. So my goal. I'm was, sorry. Go ahead. You 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 graduated this year, 2019 yeah. in April, with a degree in nursing, and was yeah. that after your diagnosis? Um, no, that was right before. I see. Diagnosis, yeah, with a degree in nursing education. Yeah. And what did you want to do with that degree in nursing education? What was your focus? Uh, I wanted to find a job in a community college or university and teach those to be a nurse. I, I now had the credentials. So, but yeah, but I, I'm not going to be able to do that now, but that's the way cookie crumbles. Yeah. Understood. Well, it probably makes sense to talk a little bit um, about your family. Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Clearly lots of siblings. What else? What else? Yeah, you got? Oh yeah. Um, I have five children. All right. I am. I always say it's not my fault because I have, <laughs> because I have two sets of twins, and so oh, that's efficient. Yeah, yeah, efficient. Yeah, my oldest will turn twenty eight in a couple of days, and my first set of twins are twenty six, and my last set of twins are seventeen. And the cool okay. part about it is Caitlin, who's my oldest. She has five children and she has a set of twins. So there's a lot of twins in my family. <laughs> you guys are twins. Yeah, you guys have twins. I've heard that that's how it works. It's very genetic. Yeah, I guess it can be now. It wasn't before I started having twins. You know. Right. Well, you're the you're the you're the beginning of oh, the progenitor of all this. Now, are they identical twins or are they fraternal? No, all, all of them are fraternal. All, all fraternal twins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay. Um, all right. And let's get kicking then about your story. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened to you and just sort of let our yeah. listeners understand how this I, all went? Yeah. Um, I was generally healthy my whole life, you know, no major anything really. And then in December of last year, so a year ago, <clears throat> I noticed my hands were weak. I could not open bottles and I couldn't, you know, do things like I used to do with my hands. They were just so weak. Uh huh. And I just thought, because I was on a computer all the time with my studies, that maybe I just get out of shape. And then in March. And this I, is March of 2019, forgive yeah, me. Yeah, this has all recent. All okay. recent, yes. In March, I got up one morning, I could not lift my left arm. And then two weeks later, I could not lift my right arm. And I thought maybe since my neck was stiff, I had a something wrong with my cervical spine, ah. which is your neck. So I went sure. to a chiro chiropractor, and he assessed me for a couple of weeks. He said, this is not a cervical spine issue. So we did an MRI, and he ruled out some things and then we did a second MRI and a third MRI and even before the third MRI my husband and I set up appointments to go to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester because as a nurse I knew something was really wrong and that I suspected ALS very early on but that was like a ha maybe I have LAL so it's kind of like a joke you know because it's such a it is very rare disease some people say it's not that rare, but statistically, it is a rare disease. And um, <clears throat> and so I got to a male clinic. I actually went down there two times. The first time, they couldn't find anything really, you know, they couldn't definitively diagnose anything. The second time, 
after five days, they could definitely say it was ALS and that was a bad day. Can you tell me a little bit about that day? What, what, um, sure. What... His name was Dr. Is Dr. Triplett. He is a neuromuscular specialist. Would have been great if you had triplets, huh? That would have been appropriate. Yeah, yeah, only, you only had funny. twins. Yeah. <laughs> it's not kind of funny okay. thing with triplets, but that's a good point. Sure. Yeah. Please, please. So, I mean, it was it was five days of testing on the last day, which was Friday the 13th. <laughs> we sat mm. on the couch and he he was very um, very empathetic and he had a great manner towards him, but he told us for sure it was ALS and my husband and I cried, uh, you know, okay. cried all weekend long, you know. Okay. It's a bad thing to hear. His prognosis was two years from the okay. date of diagnosis. And it, um, everyone with ALS, Micah, everybody dies. Nobody lives through it. The, the variable is how long. Well, it, I see. Most people are two to five years over close to 50%. Um, and then it's like 40% live um, five to 10 years and 10% live over 10 years. But um, I, I, will, I will live two to five years and, and then I shall not live. <laughs> and what way. were your, what were your feelings? Obviously it was devastating. I, um, uh, but what were your feelings after hearing this news? Um, most people are surprised at my feelings, but for several for sure, a month or two, my feeling was guilt because I, I was leaving my children. Yeah, sorry, I know it's going to cry. <laughs> um, There's no sin in crying. Yeah, you have guilt because what mother leaves their children and my 17-year-olds are 17, for God's sake, you know. But um, I don't, I don't really have that feeling anymore because... It's just not rational. I mean, it's not my fault I got ALS. So I've I've kind of gotten rid of that feeling. And um, most of my feeling now, Micah, is I'm okay. I'm happy. I have my sad moments, but because of my family's support and my relationship with God, I am okay. You know? And... And, and, and I, I, obviously you, you mentioned you have a, I, I could tell from the moment I, I, I started talking to you, you have a friends and family who clearly love you, who are yeah. packed in all around you, which is a lovely yeah. thing. Can you tell me a little bit about how your family's responded? Let's start with your husband. He was sitting next to you as you have this discussion. How has this affected him and well, what is he thinking? Um, he is, my husband, not everybody I think has had the most um, difficult emotional response. He's, He's having a really hard time dealing with it, and he is my main caregiver. So, you know, he says it's very hard to watch me get worse every day, and he cries a lot. So it's hard to be his support, but I try to support him, you know. And uh, I don't know. He's taking it very hard, but he cares for me and does a lot of my cares. You know, my daughter also kind of shares in that. And you have, and, and, and is he able to tell you about where he's sad or is he, is he yeah. able to express where his sadness lies? Um, for the, for the most part, he, 
he's afraid to talk about it because he cries right away, you know. So he does hold a lot of it in. So that's yeah. It, it's hard for yeah, it's him. funny in my life i'm 48 and for the first 40 years i tried not to cry and then maybe i cry a lot more now i find as yeah. i get older i cry more as i age when you talk to people who are terminal huh <laughs> oh no uh sometimes i'm talking to someone yeah and i i uh i sit there put it on mute and and yeah there i am i i I hear you. Um, what about your kids? You have a really interesting range, whereas some yeah. of your kids are adults and some yeah. of your kids are kids. How, how do they respond oh to all this? Kids are amazing. My oldest has five kids, so she has to tend to her family. But I mean, she has twins that are six months old, you know, so she, oh. has, to, she has to take care of her kids. My daughter, Erica, resigned her position and has come to live with me to help in my cares. Um, I don't, she won't do that forever, but until she, just until everything, I don't know how long, it's just one day at a time sometimes, you know, and, uh, my twins who live, you know, Simon and Joel, they, um, I'm divorced and remarried, right? So they live with their dad in the same town and they are over here all the time. And they yeah, this is your now when you say twins because you have two sets you're talking about your 17 year old yeah. twins correct yeah yeah, yeah yes okay okay all right you know they help too um i have to have help with all my my daily living chores i have to be fed i can't go to the bathroom myself yeah. i can't walk you know so they help with all of that and I mean, they're 17 so it is what it is. Huh? I got you. Okay. So Carrie Ann, I guess my next question is what, what are your biggest concerns? What, what, what is it that concerns you the most? I'm, I'm not trying to be completely negative. We're certainly going to get into the positive, but mm -hmm. for starters, mm -hmm. what yeah, is yeah. it that you yeah, are most concerned about as you look at the future now? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. Um, um, I used to have a fear of death. But I think I've conquered that. I used to be like, what is it going to be like? What is, I'm so scared of it, but I, I kind of got away from that. And, and I'm sorry, what was that? Why? What, wh how did you conquer the fear of death, as you say? I, I prayed a lot. I pray, pray, pray in God. I don't know if he took that fear away from me or whatever, but I don't fear it no more. Um, I, I worry about my children. My, my most concerns are my children are going to be okay. And I think they will, but I don't know if they will. I'm going to be gone. How will I know? You know? So. I hear that. <clears throat> yep. I hear that. And can I ask you, how do you feel medically that you've been treated? How do you feel like the doctors, obviously you need a lot of medical care. How do you feel that the doctors have treated you throughout this process? Well, I think you have to be, as a nurse, you have to be an advocate for your, your own self. And I knew what to do, and I'm a proactive nurse. I, I get things done preventatively, and right away I was um, trying to find out the diagnosis. Right away I was trying to get everything in place to, uh, to help me, and I got a lot in place. I got all the respiratory things that I need. I got my wheelchair. You know, sometimes you don't get it that quick. Um, so I'm getting my eye gaze machine pretty soon. And I just, uh, so the doctors, 
I think are just as good as the patient as far as being an advocate for themselves. I and got it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think my doctors have been great. Yeah, you feel you feel good about how you've been treated. Sure. Yeah. Okay. If I, if and now, yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. And now, now segueing in, um, you know, you you're in a very unique position, obviously, Carrie Ann. You you are looking at your life, I think, in a way that a lot of people don't because of your you know of your diagnosis and where you are in the world. What is it now that you think about most? What is it that matters to you most in the world? Um, yeah, just curious to hear your thoughts. Um, right. What matters to me most right now um, is being as positive as I can every day. Um, not, I mean, I try not to be a bother to my family, and I have a lot of guilt about being a bother, you know, bother to my family, but I shouldn't have that. I know I can't help it, but. So what's important to me right now is being positive, um, making sure that I continue to have everything in place for my care, spending time with my family, um, you know, that kind of thing, praying every day, mm -hmm. taking one day at a time and trying not to worry about what my future will hold because I kind of know what it holds, you know. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And 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 what's the difference between what you feel now and let's talk about the Carrie-Anne of 2018. What's the difference? What were you worried about then and what are you what's the difference? The difference is um I was so focused on work and paying the bills and basically that's it, paying the bills and work and trying to make it to my kids' events as much as possible. Um, and right now, I tell you the truth, I could care less about bills. Money and making money is so not important. When you I don't care. care? I don't, I could care less, yeah. <laughs> That's, okay, yeah, really <laughs> interesting. It'll, it'll all take care of itself in the end, you know. That's not important. And what about, so, so as I listen to you, I hear you're talking about God, and family and yeah. friends. Those are the, the pre and as you talk about the previous one, I hear work and money. And those are two yeah. very different things. Was it a fairly yeah. profound ch change in you? Um, well, in a way, it's kind of similar because to make money is to support your family, which is my children, you know? And so I was taking care of my kids by making money. But yeah, it is profound difference. I don't know. What was your question? Interesting. No, you, that's exactly what it was, which was to say, you know, it's work and money prior and afterwards it's friends, family, uh, relationships afterwards and God. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that makes great sense to me. I'd like to talk a little bit about your relationship with God, if I might. Um, did yeah. you have a very strong faith prior to your diagnosis how'd that change over time um it got my relation with god got stronger after my diagnosis um, when you get a terminal diagnosis which you know that a hundred percent of the time people will die from the disease um i don't know if everybody does but i certainly started praying <laughs> and um i do the rosary more than i ever did and so it's a much stronger relationship but before the diagnosis, I definitely had a faith and I definitely prayed, but it is more so now mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. because I know I'm going to die and 
I want to go to heaven, you know. I just wish I would have had that strong of faith the whole time, not just because I know now that I'm, when I'm going to die or kind of when I'm going to die. Yes. And ALS obviously is is a terminal disease, and, and you're as clear on it as much, much more professional at this than I am. Um, however, with ALS, I know that there are ways that you can use to uh, extend your life. That is, it depends how much intervention you want. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about how long you want to continue? Yes. Um, I already have a gastrostomy tube, which when I stop eating, I will be able to get nutrition through my tummy, you know, um, because I felt that I did want that level of intervention. Um, With ALS, your diaphragm, which is the muscles that control your breathing, um, it it weakens to the point where it does not work. And then that's what people mostly pass away from is respiratory arrest. And so some choose to get an artificial trachea with a ventilator and which will breathe for you. And I will not do that because as a nurse, I've taken care of people and um, I don't want to bias anybody who may listen to this, but it can be terribly intervention a lot of pain a lot of expense um, pneumonia getting suctioned just terrible and I won't I won't do that to myself or to my family watch me go through that so okay and will you be the person who decides when it's enough um um, well, I guess what, what will happen is, um, uh, what I believe will happen will, I will just stop breathing and there's nothing I can do about it, you know? And so in a way it's my body making the decision, but, uh, <clears throat> most people, I don't know, I don't know what statistic is, statistic is, but most people die in their sleep from ALS. Mm-hmm. As you look back at your life, Carrie Ann, do you, are you, is there anything that you do differently now? What would be the, yeah, is there anything you would change in your life as you look back on it? Um, you know, I can't say that I would change anything because every, um, I was always doing the best I could at the time, you know, so I have a good heart and. I always, all my decisions at the time were based on the, my knowledge of being, what I should be doing. Of course, I'm not an angel and I didn't always make the right choices, but I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, we do the best we can. Um, I guess my last question for you is, is pretty straight up. What's the message you have for our listeners about what matters most in life? What, from your position, is the most important thing things in the world that you feel you could tell us? Um, Of course, the most important thing in my life is God and my family. And whatever you may be going through is to have open conversations with your family. I have tried to, as a nurse, try to educate my family on ALS and how it will go and what I will look like at the end. You know, so the most important thing is your family and your faith. And uh, that's, yeah. 
That's Got all it. I say. Has your family been able to hear you about this process for them to understand it and be accepting, or has it been harder for them than for you? How did it go? Um, I believe my family tries to stay strong in front of me and that most likely they're crying somewhere else, you know, so, um, it's hard to answer that question. Um, Do you feel, would it be easier for you if your family cried in front of you? Um, probably not because I would cry with them and uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. There's no magic answer, is there? Yeah, there's not. So now I think my family is realistic and I think they're very intelligent children. And so they understand and get it and are accepting of it. And that their time of mourning will come later. Grieving, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I'm mm-hmm. grieving for myself now. <laughs> I hear that. Okay. And I have I have one last question for you and then we'll sort of wrap. Um Carrie Ann, I just was wondering, when you look back on your life, how do you how do you feel about it? Um I feel I feel good. You know, I feel like I had a good life. And um that I did a lot of accomplishments and that um I raised some darn good children. Uh so I say I feel good. I wasn't perfect and there were some bad times, but there's lots of good times. And so I can't, I feel good. No, I I got you. I got you. Well, Carrie Ann, thank you so much for making time for me today. I deeply appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. All right, Carrie Ann, you be well. You too. Thank you so much.